Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now. Here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, joined alongside Connor Morissette, a.k.a. Triple Double, we are back in studio, sort of giving a little recap of what's been going on. We are like pushing towards the offseason, but we don't know how the season's going to finish. We don't know how USC staff is going to uh, end up. So we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff, maybe even a little hoops with uh, hoops starting up and uh, USC men's and women's getting out there and uh, and doing some stuff. 
want to thank everybody for coming in. If you're watching us live on our YouTube channel, um, we are back live streaming. So thank you for doing that. And if you're listening across the podcasting platforms, you can find us anywhere. You get the Peristyle podcast. Uh, if you have a uh, Apple phone and you want to leave us a five-star review, we got a whole bunch of them that came in. Uh, so thank you very much for anyone that sent in a five-star review. Maybe I'll take a look and see uh, if we got some interesting ones. But Connor, I wanted to welcome you back in. How are you doing, man? Doing well. It seems like it's been ages since the last USC game, even though it was a few weeks ago. And now we're just kind of in limbo. What's the bowl game? Who's the defensive coordinator? What's the rest of the defensive staff look like? I wish we had all those answers today. We don't. So let's speculate. We got to speculate. <laughs> we're going to do that for sure. And uh, if you have questions and you're watching us live in the chat, you can um, put those in there. If you have questions you want to email into the show, you can do that too. Uh, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call or text us. I think we got three voicemails today. Uh, 424-254-9141 is the number to call in. Try to leave a a brief voicemail, and we'd love to play it for you. Uh, We have have a couple triple-double mentions in our five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Wow. uh, Connor, yeah. So uh, Hopefully they're good. (laughs) uh, Garakawa. I should read these ahead of time, right? But I don't, so they could be bad. Uh, But they're five stars, so we'll read whatever. Uh, Garakawa. Says Triple Double Podcast, great addition to the podcast family. It's always hard to find info regarding USC men's and women's hoops in the sea of football coverage. This podcast is awesome. Keep it up. Thank you. And then we also got uh, Sue Kim, Triple Double Hoops, outstanding new podcast. Shotgun and Connor provide insight, uh, insightful analysis and helpful. Uh, uh, having Coach um, LG on for the debut was awesome. So uh, Lindsay Gottlieb came on the first uh, edition of that. So we had some, uh, that, so a couple of those mentioned you. So thank you. Um, and if you liked the women's basketball stuff, tune in this week, cause we're going to have another women's basketball guest. I think that podcast will drop either Thursday night or Friday morning. So stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, coach, uh, Elman said uscfootball.com, Ryan and staff work their tails off to bring fresh perspectives and solid content while keeping USC fans up to date and entertained. So thanks for that. We got a bunch of other ones too. So thank you so much uh, for leaving a five-star uh, review over on Apple Podcasts. If you have the app, you can do that. Uh, it does help to grow the show. So thanks for all the the new ones uh, that came in. What do we got to, what do we got going on in the chat? You know, what, what's going on here? The <laughs> people are in there? Are they like, are they yelling at us? What do they do? We got some fight-ons. Um we got Alex Grinch is coming back. There's, a, there's some interesting ones in the chat there. So thank you if you're in the chat. But if you do have a question, just put like question, and I'll do my best to kind of star that. Uh, oh, Bay Area uh, Dodger says, um, and then hit the like button. Yes, if you're watching live on YouTube, smash the like button, as uh, Chip uh, Patterson likes to say. Uh, yeah, we, you're you're watching live. Thank you for doing that. But you can hit the like button. Uh, we got like 150 people live right now. So thank you for that. We, you know, we just kind of put this together like, ah, should we do a show? Let's do a show. We were hoping, Connor, to have some sort of um, what we call breaking news to share with the folks about USC's defensive coordinator search. Alas, we do not. Uh, we've heard a lot of things. I think the administration and the staff, you know, Lincoln Riley, keeping things fairly close to the vest. I think there was stuff that were put out there that was uh, not well sourced or made up, um, whatever. And people keep hearing different things. Uh, We hear different names and uh, we're waiting to see. Uh, I think it's safe to say that this isn't going to be, you know, they're going to go after a 
powerful name in the world of defensive coordination circles, I guess you could say. Um, it seems like they're going after some big, some big fish. Uh, if this isn't going to be like, oh yeah, you know, this guy was a defensive coordinator five years ago. No, this is these are going to be people that are. It seems like quality people that are being interviewed or vetted. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll know something by the end of the week. Maybe by the end of the show. Uh, you know, we'll see. But like, what's your kind of take on what's been going on in this defensive coordinator search? Before I get there, Duke quarterback Riley Leonard just entered the transfer portal, and oh. he maybe is the most talented quarterback to do that so far. We can talk about that later, but I just wanted to make sure people are up to date with that. That just happened five minutes ago. He was a guy who got hurt this year, but if he had played, potentially could have been a first-round pick, so I think he's the hottest name in terms of a QB in there right now. But hey, that's a conversation for a different day. Let's talk about the defensive coordinator, yeah. Ryan. So Eddie says, question, spill the beans on who's the next DC. Yeah, so, we'll tell you right now. <laughs> everyone wants to know, what have you heard? What have you heard? What have you heard? What have you heard? And and the reason the staff and everyone's been so quiet is because not much. And everyone is sourced with USC and you know we do our jobs. But if there was rumors and, and, and stuff that we were hearing, I'd, I'd share it. The only thing I can say, last week I heard a little bit of Jim Leonard chatter. And this week I've heard a little bit of Jimmy Lake chatter. But that's really it. Nothing substantial, nothing, an offer has been made. This guy's interview, just little things here and there. So that's the latest thing that I can talk about. And to be honest, Ryan, I've had uh, some downtime because with the no football and the holidays, just looking over all the candidates, if Jen Cohen and Jimmy Lake are on good terms, I kind of wouldn't hate if Jimmy Lake was the guy. And we can get into all this in a second, but that was the latest chatter I've heard. We'll see what happens. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, a lot of chatter. And uh, I think it's a complicated process. It's one you want to get right. And I feel especially for Lincoln Riley. I know, um, you know, in the chat, uh, it, let's see, I'll put up Orwell today said, um, and this is sort of why this hire is important. They should have started the search after Tulane, at least put out feelers. Doesn't look like that happened. And I know, I mean, and I think you always have like candidates, you know, you know that this is a potential thing for happening, you know, that could happen. And you get candidates at the back of your head or whatever, however Lincoln Riley wants to do it. But you're right. So I think the call was, and you know, he had told us about continuity and all that, and it ended up being the wrong call, right? So it just he should have fired Grinch after last year, did not. So now, you know, it's really important to get this decision correct. But I, I feel like the posit like when we were going through the season, how many fans were telling us? He's never going to fire Grinch. He's just going to he's going to be back next year. They're never going to do this. And if they fire him, they're just going to like promote Dante Williams or something. Like they're there were the doom and gloomers are just like they're never going to get anybody good. Like, well, what we're hearing is they're going after somebody good. And I feel like we don't know what happens on the practice field. We don't know uh are they tackling? Are they playing patty cake? Like we can't tell you cuz we're not watching that stuff. If you get a, a you know, uh, a Leonard or a Lake or, you know, somebody that's a, you know, powerful defensive coordinator, they're going to have their own set of demands and practicing the way that they want to practice is going to be one of them, you know? So I feel like we're not sure what's under the, the tree as far if this is a Christmas present analogy, but uh, the box looks good. It seems heavy. Uh, you saw a receipt from mom that had like, they spent a lot of money on it. So like, you don't know what it is, but it's probably going to be pretty good. I agree. I do think though, 
it, and it could still be Jim Leonard, but like he was the hot name right away. So much smoke around his name. And now the longer it sort of goes, I just wonder, is he still that top guy? Have they gone separate ways? Is it still in play? Just because the smoke around him was so there, there was just so much of it last week, and now it's sort of fizzled out a little bit. And he seemed to be that top target, but the longer it goes, I, I just wonder. You know, eventually you got to make a decision. So if an offer was presented to him and he had Thanksgiving to think about it, it's now Wednesday after Thanksgiving, almost a whole week here, and he's still thinking about it. I, I just don't really know how long you can wait on a guy like Jim Leonard until you got to move on to the next person. So that's why Jim Jimmy Lake would make a lot of sense to me, or even someone else. But to your point about it being good, I, I, I do think it's going to be a, a name that most people know. But the longer this goes, I just do start to wonder, are multiple people saying no? And I think that's a logical conclusion. I'm not crapping on USC. I'm not saying, oh, they, they messed up this search. But just the longer it goes, the logical thing to think is, okay, maybe some guys who they were interested either aren't interested in them or the fit isn't perfect or, or something. You know what I mean? I'm surprised yeah. that here we are Wednesday. The portal opens Monday. Guys, graduate transfers are already going into the portal before that Monday uh, entry date because they only have that one year left and USC still doesn't have the guy. That's a surprise to me. Yeah, uh, Blackie Chan was asking about that, if there's concern. And we do have RG, who has an, uh, an answer for Blackie Chan and for you. The longer it goes, the better it gets, Connor. So <laughs> I think we learned this year that that uh, doesn't always work. Yeah. Um, no, I think it wasn't going to be easy. There are some huge names. There's some people that wouldn't like a Jim Leonard as much. And some people wouldn't like, you know, there's, you're, there's people you're not going to, that's going to be a hundred percent. Everybody likes them, but I mean, it's going to be a lot better than what you had last year, right? You're going to be, you hope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if it is, I mean, if it's not, you're going to have a, an epic failure there, but you're, you're going to go hire somebody that has a proven track record, you know? So I, yeah, I mean, there's, a lot of stuff that kind of goes on behind the scenes. It's a can be a bit of a complicated process sometimes. I'm not, you know, if if it was like two weeks from now they don't have a defensive coordinator, I think that's where I'd be concerned. Like now, it's like it's it's getting to be like crunch timey with all the stuff going on. But I think you're going to get a big enough name that even if it's a little later, it will still uh, resonate and it will still uh, hold some weight. And it's fascinating if it's Leonard. What was the holdup? If it's Lake. Why is Jen Cohen someone you want to work for again after how it ended last time? If it's someone who Riley's done an excellent job of keeping under wraps, credit to him. How does Noah know? Like, how are there no leaks at all? Credit to Lincoln Riley for that. Is it the Texas defensive coordinator? That's been another link. I don't really see that happening just because I don't know why you'd want to leave that situation. But, hey, I've been wrong before on stuff like that. Those are sort of the hot names. The longer it goes, I can kind of see it being someone we've probably heard of, but a surprise, someone who hasn't been linked at all. And I think that's one of the fascinating parts of this as well. Yeah, I I feel like you hire someone like Lincoln Riley, you spend a lot of money, you want them to just go get the best person possible. And I feel like they're willing to do that. There's a lot of times covering USC over the years, you know, before you got around Connor, that wasn't the, it wasn't always that. Like it wasn't, when USC was trying to hire athletic director, they weren't trying to get the best person. They were trying to get someone that they knew. It was, the, the motivation wasn't always what a fan's motivation is, is to get the best person that's going to win games. Sometimes he's like, well, this guy we get along with better, so let's hire him for the coach or the AD, or he's not going to make waves. I think Lincoln Riley's trying to get the best guy possible to resurrect uh, this defense that's been bad for, for many, many years. And to watch UCLA, 
close out the season scoring seven against Cal. Now I get Garbers got hurt, but he was out there. Um, you know, they UCLA in four games this year, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and Cal scored 31 points in four games total. And then against USA scored 38. Like there was just too many um opportunities for this USC defense to do something. And they basically it was like whoever they played had their best game ever. And that week after week after week, you just can't do that. So I feel like Lincoln Riley understands how important this is. The administration does. You got this offense that can be amazing. You had a trans, you know, a quarterback that was once in a generation, and you go seven and five. And I I I think they all understand how that's not good enough. So they're putting everything behind this. Yeah, like I said, if it takes a couple of weeks longer, I'd be concerned. Like right now, I'm, I'm guessing you're we're going to get something uh, before Selection Sunday. Um, if not, if it's like after Selection Sunday, I think I'd be a little bit more concerned. But today, I'm I'm fine with it. Is but, there a name you like best? I, I just what draws me to Lake is assuming him and Cohen are on the same page, and of course, like Riley is good with it. And if he's hiring Jimmy Lake, of course he is. But just assuming that's all taken care of, I really just like he. He's a recruiter. He really works hard. Yeah. He has ties to Southern California based on what he did in Washington, being able to recruit guys like Trent McDuffie, who was at St. John Bosco. And I think that's really important. Jim Leonard, you just look at the all-time commits list. Jim Leonard's a damn good coach too, but Jimmy Lake, those guys sort of stand out, whereas the, the Jim Leonard all-time recruits some good players in there, but it's nothing like uh, what Jimmy Lake has been able to compile. And then just he is a guy who's a hard nose. He's kind of a you know, an a-hole a little bit. And I think that's what you need on defense right now, especially after the last couple of years have gone. How many times have Shotgun sat in this chair and called USC soft and me, called him soft? Like, you need someone to come in there and kind of set the tone. So I like that. He had really physical practices at Washington. And I read earlier this week that one of the players after he left was like, yeah, it would have been nice if the practices weren't as physical. That's football. And I think USC, they could really benefit from a guy who comes in and sets the tone, has these really physical practices. To me, he checks a lot of boxes, assuming everything is good with Jen Cohen. That's the big thing. I'm going, I'm still on Jim Leonard's side, and I didn't, I don't have the video, but, you know, he's dunking in that video. <laughs> yeah, hey, play the NFL. I mean, yeah, like, there you go. Like, I, no, um, I, I just like, I mean, his track record, like, they just never really had a bad defense under him. They were always, like, top 15 was sort of like the worst, I think. Maybe there was one that was outside of that. But uh, I I kind of like that. Um, I like that he was he wants to be a head coach. I don't have a problem if he comes in and fixes his defense for a year and goes and becomes a head coach somewhere. I think it can you know give him an opportunity to sort of get back on the head coaching track. You know he was the analyst for Illinois uh, this last year, but I I do like Leonard. I think that's like the big name out there. And, yeah. You know um, you know there's this weird history with Jimmy Lake and. He was just fired recently, and you know he had some weird stuff when he was the head coach at Washington, which whatever. But he's a really good defensive uh, coordinator, and I think recruiting's changed too. Like it's just a different, it's a different beast right now with the transfer portal, with NIL. Um, I don't mind if my defensive coordinator is not the you know the ace recruiter. It's good if you can, but I just rather have better schemes. The more you go back and watch what USC did like week after week, you're just like, holy cow. That You have a talent level that's here. You could argue whatever. I mean, they got better in talent-wise in 2023, and the results were 
very similar to the previous year. And it just, it was not good enough. And uh guy like Leonard, I mean, but I think any one of those guys are going to come in and, and do a good job and give yourself a chance. Like apparently you didn't give yourself a chance to have a good defense in 2023, just the way things were going. We didn't see stuff fixed. If it was too confusing and players were looking at their wristband in week three, it was too confusing and they were looking at their wristband in week six. Like it didn't matter where on the offensive side, if something wasn't quite working, it was fixed the next week. And the fact that you couldn't fix kind of glaring problems, I think that was a you know huge indication that you were going in the wrong direction. And I don't know if it changed anything if Riley fires Grinch halfway through the season as opposed to 10 weeks, you know, or whatever, 10 games in. But um, I don't think the results would have changed that much. But it's this is the important part now. Like get that that big name, the 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 quality uh, defensive assistant coach that can come in and make a bunch of changes. And you gotta you gotta have to break some eggs to make this damn omelet. You know, like you are not going to just well, here's how we do things. No. Come in and do it your way, because that's what works. And, you know, and go from there. So that, that's what I want to see. And hopefully we'll know some, maybe we'll know somebody on the show, but probably not. <laughs> just based on all the stuff around Leonard, like all the rumors, if he wants to be in the NFL, maybe it's going to be a one and done situation with USC. I just question his motivations a little bit, if that's true. Like if he wants to use the USC job to show, hey, I can do a really good job at being a defensive coordinator. It's it's not just what happened at Wisconsin. Look, I still got it. And then a NFL team scoops him up. Is he going to be really motivated to build up that next defensive coordinator on the staff where if he leaves, you can just hand it over to the next guy and boom, it's assuming things go really well. Best case scenario, that would be, of course, he, he's gone because he did so well, and then you can just turn it over to someone else. I just wonder if he does a really good job. Is he interested in just doing a good job only because he cares about going to the NFL, or is he going to try to work with someone else on the staff, a succession plan. I think that's so important because with Lincoln Riley, you're always going to be covered on offense, of course. But defensively, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if the defensive coordinator does really well at USC after what we've seen the last two years, they're probably going to be gone because they're going to get a head coaching job somewhere yeah. else. And so I want this next defensive coordinator in an ideal world to not only do a good job, but prepare the next person so you can just keep this train rolling and keep it going like a Alabama or a Georgia. I know that's an ideal world, but you know what I mean? A little bit, if one of those guys or if one of those teams loses a, an assistant coach, the train keeps running. And ideally that's where you want to get to. If you're USC, I know it's kind of dreamland right now, but I, I think that really makes a difference too. Yeah. And I think it's important to whoever you bring in that they have their defensive staff. Cause there might be someone that's groomed to take over. Um, I mean, we saw at Oregon state, Trent Bray, was their linebacker coach, I believe. Uh, he gets promoted to defensive coordinator. Now he's promoted to be the head coach. Um, you know, th having that secession plan. So if you get somebody that's, you know, like if, if Leonard is, you know, looking to be a head coach and is going to be in 2025, but 2024, he's got that Big Ten experience too. I think that's going to help, um, you know, playing against a bunch of Big Ten offenses next year. I think it's a big part of it too. But, you know, he's going to have his staff too. And there's probably someone on his staff that would be, okay, this is someone that could be, um, you know, the heir apparent to uh, to running this defense and keeping it going. So you want to get a good system in place. You want to change the sort of culture on the practice field of what, you know, this is how we have to run practice to make sure that the defense works well too, not just the offense. I'm not saying that that's what's happening, but it kind of seems like that's what's happening that, you know, the more they can't see. So I think all of it's really important. And we're just stalling to waiting for the defensive coordinator announcement. Like, what's it coming on? 
Um, anything else on that? We can talk some transfer portal stuff too. Uh, one other rumor that I've heard too, again, for what it's worth, the Nebraska defensive coordinator, Tony White, there might be some USC interest there. That's sort of a name that hasn't been talked about a lot, but just wanted to, to mention that who the heck knows at this point, but that's someone who I've heard a little chatter about. And that would make sense if USC didn't get Leonard or maybe he wasn't the focus of their search initially. That would make a lot of sense to me if they're pivoting and moving on. Nebraska's defense was awesome this year. Yeah. No, they were, they were really good. I mean, off, it's hard too sometimes when you have a really, really, really terrible offense to say, wow, the defense <laughs> is great. Like Iowa's defense is really good, but their offense is so bad. The over-under for Iowa in the Michigan game, like for their points, is six. Like they don't even think you're going to get a touchdown against Michigan the whole game. Um it's easier to play better defense when your offense is absolutely garbage. So that's some of it you got to take with a grain of salt. Um, we had a comment from uh, Archer. I like that Jimmy Lake is a former head coach. I want to get your comments on this because he is a former head coach that flamed out, was fired under two years, never got to coach in an Apple Cup. Um, you know, it, it, it's because he got fired before the end. It, it just did not work. There was a lot of issues with that. But he was a head coach. And I think we saw Ed Orgeron get a head. Now, people that talk about him, he's never been a defensive coordinator. So don't talk about him as a defensive coordinator. But he'd never been a head coach, gets the head coaching job. And I think when he he learns whatever he did at Ole Miss and he gets the interim job at USC and he did some things differently, you know. And I feel like, you know, Jimmy Lake, you learn a lot from that first especially failed experience. And if he gets another opportunity – then maybe you know you do a few things different, but it's that first time you never know what to expect. But I don't. Know, what do you think about him having head coaching experience, even though it was a disaster? His defenses were still good; they weren't great, but they were. You'd take them here, of course. So his big problem was the offenses were terrible. I think they fired their offensive coordinator the week before he had the altercation with a player on the sideline against Oregon that ultimately led to him getting fired. So he had his own issues, of course, and. That's a big sticking point for some USC people. They didn't like how that Washington tenure ended for Lake. And to be totally honest, I didn't really think he deserved to get fired. We can argue about that later. What they did on the field, though, okay, fine. He maybe deserved to get fired for that. But based on just, you know, pushing a player a little bit, I didn't really love that. Anyway, I think his defenses, Ryan, were good enough where I think, okay, at least when he was the head coach, it wasn't like he totally lost his identity. When Jeff Collins, the old Georgia Tech head coach, was linked to USC – as a Syracuse fan, a guy who had watched Georgia Tech week in and week out, they were one of the worst Power 5 teams I've ever seen. Jeff Collins had a great defensive uh, scheme at, at Mississippi State, I think, and then Florida, and then he went to Georgia Tech. He wasn't calling the plays, and it's tough to recruit guys there, but he just didn't get the job done on either side of the ball and sort of fell on his face. I think he left Georgia Tech with the lowest winning percentage of any head coach ever. It was just a disaster. At least with Jimmy Lake, it was also a disaster at Washington, but he didn't lose his identity. His defenses were still good, even though... The offense was terrible, and he had some other issues. Yeah. Uh, we had a, let's see, comment, Blackie Chan, or question. He says, you were talking about uh, Riley Leonard entering the transfer portal. So let's talk a little transfer portal. Um, we can talk about some names. You know, like, I, I, is there a position group, or what's the position groups for you that USC needs to kind of go after the most? I mean, potentially quarterback would be one. Like, you're going to have – like two scholarship quarterbacks, right? Like potential quarterback. But what what are your thoughts on you know where USC needs to go? On offense, I start on the offensive line. I think you desperately need a center. So that's sort of where I start. 
a second starter would be a big help. So I look at that. I think you can get by. Of course, Lincoln Riley is always going to look for a quarterback if he feels like he needs to do that. But I don't think that's like a huge issue when you're looking at the whole roster right now. Maybe Lincoln Riley feels differently. If Marshawn Lloyd goes to the NFL, he Instagrammed a photo of his senior bowl invite. Maybe he is going to go to the NFL. Then I think you probably need a running back receivers. You got some young receivers. It wouldn't hurt to bring in one guy, but I think you're pretty well stocked there because you've recruited there really well. Wouldn't hurt to bring in a tight end who's ready, but you do have some younger tight ends waiting in the wings. For me, it's all about the offensive line and defense though. I think across the board, you can improve whether it's in the middle, Bear Alexander, who was going to play alongside him this whole year. That was the big question. That was never really answered, so if you could find someone else to play alongside him, that would be great. Edge rusher Solomon Bird is gone. Jameel Muhammad's back, so you got one edge rusher, but another one would be a big help. Linebackers, if you think someone can help, why wouldn't you take one based on how this year went? The secondary, if Kalen Bullock comes back, I'm not sure about that, then uh, that's one less position to worry about, but right now you have another one. You hope Christian Pierce is ready, but if he isn't, maybe you bring someone else in. Traquan Fegans is another good player, and I think... um, why can't I remember his name? The the nickel safety, Jalen Smith, he'll probably be back. He's he's a nice, solid option. So you have some guys in the secondary, but I think defensively, if you can improve anywhere, you do it. Yeah, front seven for sure. Um, defensive line for sure. I think you you got to start with the lines, offensive, defensive line. Um, but I think like a quarterback, Lincoln Rice had a ton of success bringing in transfer quarterbacks. I mean, Caleb Williams was a transfer, even though he recruited him out of high school at Oklahoma. If you feel really confident, Miller Moss or Malachi Nelson. Um, and we didn't see much of Malachi. We got to see some of Moss. Even just bringing in a quarterback for depth, I think you probably need some help there. But um, he's got a great track record of bringing in guys that are not depth guys, but like potential superstar guys. So um, if you get someone in for the spring and there's competition there, but they need offensive line help, they need defensive line help. Uh, pro- more important than that. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he... Didn't yeah I would yeah if he brought in another quarterback I guess I wouldn't be surprised no no and I would be shocked if Miller Moss and Malachi Nelson were both on the roster in the fall maybe it takes them a whole competition to figure out who the guy is so they stay through the spring but eventually Miller Moss and Malachi Nelson two highly rated recruits they know that to reach where they want to reach they have to play and if Malachi Nelson doesn't win the job as a highly touted five-star guy I would be shocked if he sticks around and same for Miller Moss it was a big surprise that he stuck around this year if he doesn't win the job then I think that he will probably leave as well unless he's both these guys are content with being backups but just the read on both of them I don't think they are I think they want to go out and play and if USC brings in a transfer then I'm sure both of them will probably be like okay you know where do things stand here Malachi, he's he's sort of the guy who I look at because it's always been the top recruit after someone leaves in a Lincoln-Riley offense that's sort of taken over. And I think Miller Moss has worked really hard, and I really like Miller Moss, and I want him to get a fair chance. But I think Lincoln-Riley is going to go with the five-star guy and, and really try to build him up and try to put him in the best position to succeed. And if it doesn't work, maybe there's a transfer there to be pushing him. But just based on how it's gone, I mean – Spencer Rattler took over for whoever was before him, and then it was Caleb Will. You know what I mean? It's always – it's he churns out these five-star guys. Is Miller Moss the one to break that streak? Maybe. I don't know if I see that. Well, see, he's looked – I think he's looked better from what I've seen. Uh, but, you know, Malachi was sick and or whatever. He had the injury, and we didn't get to see a whole bunch of him. So this spring, I think it'll be important, depending on how much we get to watch of those guys, uh, them kind of going at it. 
and see how they do. Um, but Moss was ahead of mm-hmm. Nelson for sure this year, uh, which would put him, you know, in the driver's seat, you would think. And then it's up to what Lincoln Riley thinks about, um, you know, can he be the guy? Like, oh, yeah, we can run the offense. He can be the guy. Boom, 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 go with it. Or, you know, we need depth or we want to go bring in some superstar. I, You know, someone put in the chat, KJ Jefferson from Arkansas entered the portal uh, or is, is planning on entering the portal. The portal's not open until Monday, uh, December 4th. If you're a grad student and like Miller Moss graduated, I believe, so like he could enter the portal now if he wanted to. He doesn't have to wait till Monday. But the the craziness is going to start really Monday where there's all these names and there's always unexpected names uh, coming in. For USC, there's, you know, we talk about the acquisition part of this, and that's important. USC's going to try to, you know, retool the roster, and they've been, Lincoln Riley showed he can do that every year, and he's done it so far. But you also lose some guys, and, you know, it was Gary Bryant Jr. or Kyle Ford, or, you know, some of the guys, you know, Raylan Goforth, like, were they going to make a huge difference on this team? Probably not, you know. Uh, I don't know who, who do you think had the biggest impact that left? USC. Can you any? I don't want to put you on the spot. Is there someone that had like a big impact? Gary Bryant, Raylan Goforth, probably. Yeah, Goforth was like starting. Two rotational pieces. I think Kyle Ford's probably a step below. That those are the guys who come to mind for me. There's some guys I think that went like uh, Group of Five. Um, There's some of the Mountain West schools, uh, maybe that had you know were good or decent, but not no one that was just like I can't you know. USC couldn't afford to lose that player. No. Um, that might change this year because you're seven and five. You know, it's a little different. Uh, there was a lot of hope after year one. You might see some players kind of leave that, you know, USC didn't want to leave. Um, you didn't expect them to leave. But so far, what there'd been a couple announcements or, you know, guys that have gone to the portal. No, nothing shocking so far, right, Connor? No, it's Relique Brown, who everyone expected to leave because. The whole position change and then the red shirt thing, so that's not a surprise. Zamarian Gordon entered the transfer portal. He didn't play at all, even on special teams. He's a safety, so that's not a big surprise. There's one other guy who entered a few weeks ago, Jamar Sakona, I think, the defensive lineman. So right now, really, Brown played a little bit, but right now it's been three guys who really didn't have a big impact. I think, of course, Brown as a former four-star, fringe five-star talent, a guy who was taken out of his natural position at running back, he's the one you worry about losing the most, yeah. but... It's not like he was so great for USC this year, and it's some big shock that he's leaving. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, we have TH Rocks. Come on, guys. You should have people making calls for info. Not this bizarre guessing game. Maybe uh, you missed the beginning of the show. <laughs> that's all everyone's doing. And, uh, yes, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a difficult process right now. This is definitely different USC. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. There's... Things were, there was a lot of stuff. There were people that you could talk to that worked in or around the athletic department that weren't decision makers, but had a decent idea. You could get pretty good info out of them. Now those people call us a lot of times like, hey, what are you hearing? You know, and like, oh, you work there, but they're not part (laughs) of it. Um, The circle is really, really tight. It's tightened up a lot. So I think that's changed. Um, you know what's tight too? Going to Trader Joe's. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, I'm very happy right now because I just went uh, yesterday, or it was the day before, to Trader Joe's. I was, you know, my kitchen was a, was a mess. Um, I just didn't have uh, places to put stuff, you know, remodeling and everything. And now it's all like in their spot. And I'm like, okay, I can start putting stuff in the pantry, picking up some of the pasta and the pasta sauce that I like, putting stuff in the fridge, you know, the ba- like eggs, bacon, milk, whatever, you know, all that kind of stuff. But just sort of going through, it was good to like walk through every aisle and be like, oh, I could use, oh yeah, I don't have any orange chicken left. I'm going to get some orange chicken or, oh, I want some of the veggie fried rice uh, or the the uh, frozen gnocchi. I'm going to put some of that in the freezer. So it was kind of good to go through Trader Joe's and sort of like restock everything after uh after it was, you know, um, depleted and everything got moved around and everything. So uh, very happy about that. So, yeah, make sure it's, it's it's fun right now, holiday season two. There's a lot of cool stuff, a lot of holiday-themed um, items that you can get over at Trader Joe's. So make sure you go check it out. Congrats on the new kitchen being all done. And I saw, like you said, cooking that first meal. That was great. I did, yes. Uh, yeah, I picked up um, so broccoli. So uh, well, I picked up asparagus and uh, some baby red potatoes at Trader Joe's and air fried them. So my new range is like has an air fryer in it. So Ooh. and I had some fish that I had caught, some red snapper. So that was my meal. But yeah, it was all Trader Joe's sides and then the fish that I brought, you know, from the ocean. But it was the it was good. That looked awesome. Next time uh, you do something like that, you got my number, Ryan. I, I, I was thinking about making it for lunch and bringing them in. So I could have done that for you next so. week. Um, OK, so. Anything else on the transfer portal you want to mention? I wouldn't rule out anyone on defense entering. Like, I'm not going to be surprised if anyone on, on defense enters. We, we did this as a staff. Who would be the most surprising guy to enter? For me, like, I'd be shocked if Zachariah Branch and Zion Branch enter. I guess I just said no one. Don't be surprised if anyone on defense. But I kind of look at them as a package deal, and Zachariah I don't think is going to enter the transfer portal. So he's the my most, like, surprising guy. But like you said, you go 7-5. and five, you kind of can't rule anything out. So I think defensively we could see some head scratchers or if the new coordinator comes in and people are excited about that, they choose to stick around. It could really go either way right now. Yeah. Um, okay. The other aspect uh, before we jump into questions, we have a lot of questions. I just want to talk about little hoops for a bit. Um, you've been following along with this. You guys, you know, the triple double podcast with shotgun. You guys talking a little uh, USC hoops, USC women uh, going bananas. The men, Maybe not as uh, as good as you would have liked to see, and they got a big game coming up this weekend. Well, there's a game tonight, right? And then I'll be sa- I'm going to be in Vegas uh, Friday, Saturday for I'm going to Pac-12 championship game, even though USC's not in it. I'm going to cover. I do the podcast for champions Pac-12, so I'll be covering that game. And then Saturday night over at MGM, uh, USC plays Gonzaga, so uh, big matchup there. So I'll be at that, and Cotter will be there as well. So you're going to be at the Pac-12 championship game too, right? Yes. Yes. Nice. I'll be the uh, intern for the podcast of champions. Yeah, you can uh, yeah, carry my shit and uh, whatever you <laughs> want to do. So that's good. Um, yeah, so what's going on? Like, Give us the hoops update. Sure. The women are doing amazing. They had a one-point win over Penn State in the Bahamas the week of Thanksgiving. So last week, that's really been their only close call. They beat Ohio State, a top-10 team, to begin the season a little bit more convincingly. But – they're awesome. Number six in the country, Juju Watkins, is as advertised. There's some stat that's out there. I don't have it in front of me, but she's the first player, man or woman, pro or college, to do what she's done since LeBron James. Like She's just on another level. If you have an opportunity to watch her this year, do it. She is fantastic, and she's really going to go, or USC is really going to go as far as Juju Watkins 
takes him this year. There are some other awesome players, too, like Rhea Marshall, but man, oh, man, Juju Watkins is special, and she's a big reason why USC's number six. On the men's side, they started ranked. They've dropped out since losing to UC Irvine when they had a couple guys out, and then Oklahoma in the Radies Children's Invitational. That was They played on Thanksgiving against Seton Hall, and then they lost Oklahoma uh, the day after Thanksgiving. I was there. They lost on an almost buzzer beater. They didn't box out, and Oklahoma guy put in... Um, a rebound, second chance opportunity right before the buzzer expired. I think they're just working out some kinks, Ryan. Isaiah Collier has a lot of turnovers right now. You can see how special he is, the true freshman point guard, but he needs to make better decisions and just sort of slow down a little bit. His superpower is going really fast, but he needs to control that and manage that. So Andy Enfield was not happy after that Oklahoma loss, and I think the turnovers have a big part of that and or are a big part of that and then rebounding they're struggling to do that so I know a lot of USC basketball fans will say oh it's the same problems as years past it looks that way right now I think this team has a lot more talent than some of the prior USC teams so I will give them the benefit of the doubt right now that they can work through these kinks and get better but it is a little bit concerning that they were ranked and now they're no longer ranked long season though it's November 29th and they want to be playing in March they got a long way to go I think they do have the talent to still put together a good March Madness run. Yeah, we'll see. Final Pac-12 season. Yeah. Uh, craziness. It, final Pac-12 game will be Friday night when uh, Oregon and Washington play. We'll both be there. Um, Pac-12 Network isn't even doing anything. Like, they don't even have anyone there covering. Like, it's just they made a decision, apparently, like, according to John Wilner, uh, or maybe it was Gonzano, I forget, but that they just budget-wise, they're like, we're not going to go to Vegas and cover this game. We don't know if George Klayoff is going to give away the trophy and stuff. Um, Jeez. But there's still more Pac-12 is like hanging on. You get this basketball stuff going on, and then that's really going to be it. But there's a lot to play for in this Pac-12 season. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to kind of see when that when it goes from out of conference to in conference, what it's like. And I'm curious, too, because you're trying to, they're trying to keep the conference alive on life support. People are leaving for other jobs. Like, do enough people leave where you can't even just – you know, productions just stop. Like you can't even get the games on TV. Like that. I'm curious to see if, you know, if they're able to keep this together, like MacGyver it and keep it together <laughs> until the end, because people are like looking out for themselves. Like you don't want to be the last guy there to turn the lights out, but someone has to, I guess. Should be George K. He should be he the should. last guy there, but we saw him in uh, Vegas. Uh, I saw him in Vegas when I was with shotgun at the, it wasn't the preseason tournament, whatever that was, where the USC men and women both played. He was sitting courtside for a little while or very close to it. But I'm curious to see if he gives away the trophy Friday night. You know, like, will he get booed? I don't, you know. If he doesn't, who would? I'm not, you know, someone in the, some lower department. level person. Yeah, some lower level person. Um, we had, we have a request in the, in the chat. 349 people in the chat and only six, 61 likes. Get in there and like it. Yeah. Thank you for that. If you are on YouTube, you can, uh, Hit the little thumbs up button for a like. If you want to hit the bell, that will um, alert you when we go live. So thank you for jumping in when we go live and all that. And thanks for liking the stream. We appreciate that. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and uh, answer a bunch of questions. Back in a minute. Hey, it's Kate. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. All righty. We're back here on the Parastyle Podcast. If you were uh, watching live on YouTube, it really wasn't much of a break. That's more for our podcast um, feed. We do have to take a break for that. Uh, so when we put out the recorded version, though, that's a break. But there's no break right now because you're doing it live. We just kind of roll through uh, with everything. Um, we got a lot of emails, voicemails. Why don't we start with uh, a voicemail? I'll play this one for you, Connor. Get your thoughts. Hey Ryan, I just heard on the Colin Cowherd show that Alex Grinch got on the plane. That means he was one of the five coaches that came with Lincoln Riley to USC. Nobody else came with five coaches that he owes. He didn't want to fire him because he got on that plane with him. When Kiffin left Tennessee, no coach came with him. There's so many instances of coaches leaving and they can't get all of their coaches to leave and move their families and stuff. So I wonder who the other four coaches are that he owes that he does not want to fire no matter what because they got on that plane with him. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Love Curtis, but isn't that a simple Google search? It's Dennis Simmons, Brian Odom, and two other guys who I'm sure and Benny Wiley came. You know. Chad will say you're forgetting these two, but yeah, it's uh, so Grinch, obviously, and then we can look it up if we take another call or something. But, but it doesn't mean that they're untouchable. Um, and Lane Kiffin brought guys with him. I, I think Ed Orgeron came with him. Uh, Monty Kiffin, his dad, came with him. Um, I think that's just one of those things where it just happens. Uh, it shows loyalty when you jump on the plane and he's talking about the plane to go from Oklahoma to USC, but it doesn't, it's not like you're a tenured professor and you cannot get fired. Uh, Alex Grinch got fired. There was there, you know, I think there's some loyalty there and he went towards the continuity aspect of it, which I get is, you know, it's important. And the fact that this was someone that stuck with him from the beginning. So I think he got an opportunity to try to get this right. 
to go from a crap defense in year one to better defense in year two. It wasn't right. It was worse. And then, you know, Riley made the call. So, uh, yeah, like Brian Odom, that's great if he got on the plane. But if the new defense coordinator comes in and says, I'm clearing out the staff, that doesn't make him immune. Uh, maybe it gives him a little, you know, it's nice. Hey, you came along and you, you showed the loyalty, but you got to get results. And if, you know, the, the defense wasn't good enough and I don't think anybody on that staff can be, can say, Hey, I did great. Like, I don't think anybody did great. So, uh, everyone's, you know, it sucks, but people's jobs are on the line and you're going to hire a new coordinator on the defense. Everyone is on the, you know, potentially on the chopping block. I do think the fact that Grinch did follow Riley was significant. And I don't know if that bought him any more time or anything like that. But remember at the press conference that Riley gave the first one since firing Grinch, he was like, remember Alex Grinch, he believed in the vision. He was the first guy on the plane with me. He was part of the greatest turnaround in the history of USC football. So I do think, of course, like it would in any relationship, in any field, if someone believes in you and goes with you to a new chapter, that is significant. I wonder, though, if he was some first-year guy who wasn't as connected to Riley, would maybe he have fired him after that Tulane game? I I think that's kind of what Curtis was getting at. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a good question. And it was funny that he brought up those other coaches, but I, I think that was the question that he was asking, and I don't really know the answer to that. Yeah, Aaron said Brian Odom and Roy Manning never went on the plane because they were coaching yeah. for the bowl game. Yeah, so I think... They just got on a later plane. <laughs> there was... Yeah, but I think... Um, uh, his right-hand man, why am I blanking on his name? Um, Who, Riley's? Yeah. Like Clark Stroud? Clark Stroud, I think, came. You know, there was there was people that were sort of like, they're part of this, they're going to come. And uh, plain or not, but just, you know, there was some loyalty there for the people that came over. Uh, let's go to an email from, this one's from Chris. So he was watching the Washington-Oregon State game. He said, I'm seeing consistent good running game and good and excellent in the case of Washington's pass protections from both teams. When I do a cursory check of the 24-7 recruiting rankings for the offensive line going back to 2020, I'm seeing a similar or lower quality of offensive line recruit from both of these teams, as well as UCLA and Arizona. Oregon's is clearly better, he said. But the other schools, they didn't get as good as recruits as USC. Uh, I know we've missed out on some stellar local offensive line recruits, but overall, as I said, our talent appears to be similar or slightly better than the aforementioned teams. What gives? I'm seeing Caleb run for his life, no consistent run game, and our quarterback under pressure when the opposition rushes three people. Sometimes our offensive line totally whiffs on blocks right after the snap, completely blowing up the play. What do you think the program is if our talent, based on the rankings, is similar? Thanks from Chris. I'd have our to problem look, is, not our program. I'd sorry. have to look back at USC's classes since 2020, but the reason USC was in this predicament was because the offensive line based on what happened last year and then everyone leaving and, and now there was no one really behind him like Clay Helton did a really nice job of leaving an offensive line for one year and he did it last year but everyone behind all those guys behind the Brett Nelon behind the Voorhees you know all those guys who, who had been together Dietrich was a part of that Monheim there was nothing behind those guys so why did they have to take so many transfers this offseason? That was all because the depth was just terrible. Yeah. And USC recruited good enough to have a good line for one year. But you know what I mean? There was no depth there. So I, I don't know. I don't think that's a very good argument. 
Yeah, and I, I think the other thing too is when you're talking about offensive line, if you bring in like a you know highly ranked edge rusher, like he'll rush the passer, and you know if you bring a highly ranked receiver, he's going to catch a bunch of passes. Offensive linemen, it's different. I mean, there's a lot of offensive linemen in the NFL that if you're going to look at the stars don't matter thing, you look at the offensive line. Like this guy was 250 pounds as a senior in high school, and now he's 325 and six. You know, it's like yeah, you develop a lot more as a player when you're trying to get a big body like that. So I think a lot of it is development too. But like Connor said, USC's you had some guys, and then everyone after that couldn't play, and so now you had to recruit high school players, which now they have got better high school players and you're trying to build that pipeline uh, and just sort of like, you know, build up some younger players that could actually come in and play as opposed to the only guys that can play are the guys you get transferring in. And it's not always easy to put a line together like that. USC's line just didn't fit as well. I think they missed on a couple of guys, guys that you thought were productive that weren't. Um, the other guy from Florida, I'm blanking on his name, like he couldn't make it in. Ethan White. Ethan White. Um, so yeah, I, I but you know, a really strong offensive line class the year before this year. And so you're kind of building for the future, but I think they patched holes in 2022 a lot better than they did in 2023 for whatever reason. I agree. And I just think last year they only needed to patch pretty much one hole, right? It was left tackle and they brought in Haskins from Virginia. Everywhere else, it was all returning guys. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but it just was easier last year. It was a bigger challenge this year. And you're right about recruiting offensive linemen. Those guys vary. Sometimes a two-star guy ends up being fantastic and a five-star guy flames out a little bit. I wouldn't, of course, stars matter, but I wouldn't read too much into like USC being a little bit better than those other programs. I just think this year they were in a very unique spot needing to replace three guys and having no depth. They tried their best. It didn't work. I think the staff deserves a little bit of criticism for it not working, but they were not in a good position and, they swung and missed. It happens. Yeah. Uh, let's go. We got an email from John. Hey, Ryan, I love your show. Just wanted to mention I feel at the Lincoln Riley house and at the Caleb Williams house and at the other USC players' houses that Alex Grinch stole Christmas and the Christmas holidays. Thanks from John. I don't know if he stole Christmas, John, but um, definitely turned a potential, you know, historic amazing season into a historically bad one but um yeah it's a little bit different uh here we go this is another voicemail for you connor hey parasol i'm so happy to hear you guys you really give a lot of insight and appreciate it i i'm just i'm like everybody else concerned with where the program is headed um the thing under helton and the previous coaches which i think brought us down was the fact that they're not um, teaching the players, they're not getting them better. And I'm thinking that all the uh, the possible recruits are noticing that as well, which is why we're not getting all these five- and four-star recruits, because they see that they're not getting better under um, our program and under Coach Lincoln Riley. So why would I want to go there if I'm not going to get better? Because as I understand it, the goal is to get in the NFL. So anyways, I want to know what your thoughts are on that. Um, or if you have another reason why we're not able to get five and four star recruits, because under Carroll, man, we got five and four star recruits all over the board. We were always top five in recruiting, you know, and obviously we need to do that. So I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you. Bye. I think that's certainly a problem. I think the biggest problem is NIL first and foremost. Why 
Are you struggling to get four or five star guys consistently in this 2024 class? You got to look at NIL first, but I don't think it helps when a young guy in the secondary looks from around the country, looks and sees like Damani Jackson struggle and Sierra Wright struggle. And this is just off the top of my head, but defensively, that question kind of makes me think of the defense. Like USC has brought in some good quality players on defense and they just haven't really translated so far. So if I was a recruit, I'd certainly take note of that. But I think first and foremost, Ryan, we've talked about it a million times, the NIL stuff. If another school can have the, the, you know, the sort of reputation that USC does like in Oregon, and they can also give kids a little bit of dough. Like that makes a big difference. No, it does. I mean, Blackie Chan had a question in the chat about that. It's like, no, there really hasn't been a change uh, there. I do think, the landscape might be changing a little bit. Unfortunately, like USC goes up against Oregon, and I think Oregon is still um, putting a lot of money into the high school recruiting. Like they're trying to, you know, I, th- I think Phil Knight wants to win a championship there before he's, you know, during his lifetime. And that, you know, he's in his 80s now, I think. So I think they're pulling out all the stops, and a lot of that's taking guys away from USC. Just them forcing their way kind of into the Big Ten, just, you know, not letting USC sort of separate. Uh, I think it's something USC definitely has to address. But I think in general, the market for transfer portal players is more significant as far as like trying to get guys. There, I mean, there was a report up in Washington that Cam Ward had multiple million-dollar-plus offers for his services, the quarterback. Um, I forget what the coach recently just said uh, that, you know, it might have been uh, – at Nebraska, they were talking about um, Matt Rule that uh, that you, you know if you're going to get a quarterback, it's like a million, a million and a half, two million. Like that's what it costs to come out of the portal. I feel like the proven player stuff, there's more money going in there, and I think USC can play in that that pool, which is good, and maybe not as much for the high school player. Which I mean, if 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 it sort of goes away from that, that helps USC because USC doesn't really. Uh, play there but they do play in the transfer portal market and you know that's where it seems like that's where more of the funds are going but but you're right I mean you're gonna miss out on high school guys that there are high school players that want to be paid to take a visit to your school USC's not doing that there's schools that aren't but there's a lot of schools that are and that you kind of eliminate yourself from that recruit like if it if you're talking like Stanford they could. They were getting four and five star guys before, but they had to be the certain kind of four and five star guys. USC sort of now in that mode where you can still get four and five star guys, but they have to be the certain kind, the ones that NIL money for high school isn't their most important thing. If that is, USC's probably not in that recruiting battle. If that makes sense, I agree with all that. I just think though, like kids get a bad rap for oh, if that's their number one thing. Like then USC isn't the place for them, but. A lot of times, like, can you blame a kid for having that be such an important part of it? Like, no. that goes a long way to to helping not only the kid but the families and, and other people around them. So, I think that's of course going back to the call. That's the biggest factor for why you aren't seeing any five stars in twenty twenty four and a limited number of four star guys in that class. But what the caller brought up about the optics guys on defense who were in the position of some of the big-time recruits not performing well and seeing that at USC, I don't think that helps either. So I thought that was a good point too. Yeah. Um, this was a 
point. So Texas A&M ended up hiring um, Mike Elko. Uh, they were really going after just the highest ranked players all the time. And uh, Demon says, uh, the mercenary recruits aren't coming here. And not sure we want that type of player. See Texas A&M. If you are only trying to recruit the, the top talent, and not necessarily someone that fits, you can see a disaster like that happen. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's everyone wants those guys, but it doesn't necessarily equal success. But USC's missed out on a bunch of them. You'd like to get some of those guys that would fit in with the program um, well. Yeah, and I, I agree. But, like, Texas has recruited really well. They're a game away from winning their conference. Georgia always recruits well. Alabama always, of course, recruits well. Oregon's recruited really well historically. Florida State under Mike Norvell's recruited really well. Like, is it any surprise that all those teams have a shot to win the national championship if things fall their way? Like, you can look at Texas A&M and say, oh, you know, we don't want a lot of those five stars. Look at how it blew up in Texas A&M's face. I think that's sort of uh, something that, you know, people shouldn't be paying attention to. Like, yeah, it didn't work for them, so we don't want to do it. But look at all these other schools where it did work. You, you got to rec- recruit. And, and the more five-star guys you get, just, of course, character issues, you can't overlook that. And you, you got to pick your spots. But I don't like that argument a lot. Like, look at Texas A&M. They recruited really well, and they've fallen on their face. Other teams have recruited really well, and it's going a lot better for them. Yeah. We had a long email from uh, Brendan in Reno. He has 16 defensive coordinator candidates, and he ranks them all. Uh, and he's got uh, Glenn Schumann at the top of his list. Um, Will Muschamp is up there. Dave Aranda, who's staying at um, Baylor, so he wouldn't be coming. He likes Manny Diaz a lot. But he doesn't have uh, Jim Leonard down to number nine and Jimmy Lake number 10, Connor. So uh, he's not big on your guys. He's got Toss Poy at number 11. I don't know about that at all. Uh, but, you know, and Danton Lenny has at 16. Uh, but a, a big list there. So thank you for sending that in. I can't, can't go over uh, like all this. But he says he wanted to factor in scheme, recruiting, player development, scheme fit for our roster and our recruiting territory. And lastly, who they've worked with in the past as possible position coach candidates. Um, he says that uh, Leonard has great scheme and develops players, but he lacks recruiting and scheme fit as he deploys a two gap system that requires a big body defensive line. And USC has a hard time landing those kind of guys. Uh, he's also coach, uh, only coach at Wisconsin who already had a great defense from Miranda and Wilcox before him. So a rebuild might not be a strong suit. That's interesting. Finally, his Rolodex of assistant coaches is smaller and less impressive than other candidates. So that was why he didn't have Leonard as high. Makes sense. Glenn Schumann, of course, the Georgia defensive coordinator. I just don't know why yeah. he would make that jump to, to USC. But if you could have anyone, like that would make sense. So if that list, I don't know if it was realistic candidates, but if it was just candidates across the board, then that would make sense to me. They just got to get this hire done, Ryan. The longer it goes, man, come on. It's time to... Turn the page. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm ready for recruiting. I'm ready for the transfer portal. I'm ready for just, you know, like you, you plug it in the spark. Like this team needs some juice. And here we are still waiting. Yeah. Need some juice. Uh, John in Oakland wrote a couple emails. He said, uh, do you have any idea who coach Riley uses as a sounding board for ideas and things associated with his program? A so-called informal kitchen cabinet. Uh, who does he trust to advise him on potential changes to the defensive uh, for the defense and special teams, and who are his close friends uh, from the college and NFL ranks that he can solicit objective critiques from his performance as a head coach uh, regards John in Oakland? Great question. I don't know. I haven't asked him that. 
Bob Stoops comes to mind, who was at Oklahoma, of course, before Riley took over. I wouldn't be surprised if he speaks with him and bounces ideas off of him. Mike Leach, of course, was a sounding board for Riley before he passed away. Yeah. So a really sad loss there, and that affected Riley because they were friends. So uh, he is no longer with us, so he's not doing that anymore. But those are two names that, that come to my head. I think Dennis Simmons and Riley are, are best friends. So even though they're on the same staff, I'm sure they talk a lot and they figure out a lot of stuff together too. Clark Stroud has been Riley's right-hand man on yeah. the staff now. I, I forget his official title, but I think those are kind of Riley's circle. But I'm sure there are names I'm missing. I think like Dave Nickel, who passed away as well, I think someone that he was close with. Um, but yeah, I think you want that. A little bit, but I, I feel like too, you want people around you that are part of the day to day that can tell you no, you know, and you know, it's hard to say if, the, if you get, st- you, you want people like that. You don't want yes men all around you all the time. You want people to be able to say, to push back and go, no, that's not a good idea. Like you shouldn't do that. And here's why. Um, so hopefully he has those kind of people around him, but he, you know, he's pretty private person. So I think he keeps a lot of that stuff private as well. John says, uh, do you think that the NCAA Autonomous Five Power Conferences would approve raising the number of assistant football coaches from 10 to 11? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. Um, why, why is that even a, a question? Is that just people want that? or like? I guess maybe you could get a special teams coach or something or a special teams coordinator. Uh, that's probably where John's coming from there. But I, I haven't heard that as something that's been discussed, so I'm not sure, John. And he says, who's going to show up for, uh, I'm sorry, who's going to show the upcoming spring football games for the 10 programs leaving the Pac-12, the Pac-12 networks or the their future conference networks, regards from John? That's a great question because doesn't USC not join the Big Ten until like it's, August? It's the end of June, July 1st, basically. So spring will still, spring football will still happen. My guess is the fact that the Pac-12 network isn't going to Las Vegas for this one. They're probably not putting in the work, my guess, to broadcast all the spring games. Um, I can check with uh, I can check with Yogi. Actually, I'll I'll do that. Like maybe next voicemail, I'll text Yogi to see if uh, if they're planning on doing spring games. But this might have been the last football thing the Pac-12 network showed the the Stanford Notre Dame blowout game. So that might be it. Um, for for whatever reason, USC and UCLA don't officially join the Big Ten until August second for some contractual reasons. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I thought the contract ended. So maybe, yeah. So I think the the contract ended July first. So the TV contract and all that. Oh, that's interesting. That it would be August second. Okay. Well, this summer, and then uh, you kind of get things rolling. Why don't I? Okay. So we did get a voicemail. I think we got. It might have been a couple, and uh, if if you remember, I think it was with Harvey Hyde last week, where the the caller said, "Hey, I'm going to keep this short." And it was like three minutes long, so we can't play that. He tried to keep it short. <laughs> He's like, "You probably won't play this, but I'm going to really try to keep it short." This was like three and a half, uh, one and a half minutes long. So this is still long, but this is his shorter version. So I will play it for you. Um, here you go, guys. Hi, Ryan. I feel like you're not going to play my messages, so I'm going to make this like even shorter. And I think we need to be honest. Pat Hayden, Lynn Swan, Max Nikias, Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, Mike Bone, Lincoln Riley doing one-third of his job offense. No defense, 
no special teams getting paid $10 million per year, medical scandals, administration scandals for 15 years, which has affected the revenues of your company, obviously, and has hurt the people that are alumni of USC. The Board of Trustees and the Executive Committee need to go, starting with Carol Fold, over and over and over. If it was one year, two years, three years, it's been 15 years. I'd appreciate if you play this during Coach uh, Coach's interview because Coach is direct. He's on point. He's got a history, and he'll call it out. This has absolutely been going on for 15 years. The executive board at USC has to go. It has to go. 15 years of incompetence. If your employees did one-third of their job and they just did reporting but didn't do the videos and didn't go to practice, you'd fire them. If my employees did the same, I'd fire them. Lincoln Riley is going to get destroyed in the Big Ten. He's not qualified, and we're in trouble. Fifteen years of incompetence. They have to go. Executive board at USC, I hope you're hearing this. You've done a terrible job. You should be fired. All right. So they didn't leave a name, but that was shorter, so that was good. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been talking about the leadership being poor for years, and Part of it, the board of trustees at USC was, it was way too big. They've definitely pared it down. I don't know a lot about the inner workings of that. Um, but they, I think they worked on it as far as like not having as many people that were involved in all this stuff. Uh, these, you know, you're some big donor and you just get to be on the board. It was just, it was too many people, but they've had bad presidents. Um, and you hope that that changes with Carol Fult, you know. You've had really, really bad athletic directors. And I think they got a little bit better with Mike Bone. I think they've got better even now with Jen Cohen. They've had bad head coaching hires. Now, you don't, the caller doesn't like Lincoln Riley, but his track record, you know, is, is very good compared to what USC's hired in the past. No one's had anywhere near the success of a, of a college head coach that USC hired looking at a resume. Um, and, like 90 years. Like it was like Howard Jones was the last guy that had like a resume that was like, oh, I've had success coaching college football and I had, as a head coach. No one USC's hired has ever had that until Lincoln Riley. So you feel like they've made better hires. Can you fix decades of incompetent leadership like overnight? No. But I think it takes, you know, good hire, good hire. Like you got better with Mike Bone and there were problems still. But then you get even better with Jen Cohen, you know? I think you got a lot better getting Lincoln Riley. And who knows? Maybe the next hire, he brings the program back. And whatever he does or retires or goes to the NFL or whatever he does, then the next guy is even better than that. So I feel like you've got to build on it. But they've been incompetent as far as leadership goes for a really long time. I just don't know enough about the board now. I think it's been restructured. I think it's been pared down. So hopefully it's better. But they're the you know they're part of all of these bad decisions that were made for years and years and years. Yeah, that's a little too in the weeds for me. I just <laughs> wonder what the caller was thinking when Lincoln Riley was hired because it seems like the board has this awful track record according to him. But Riley's track record is undeniable, so I still think he was a good hire, even though people yeah disagree. I just I I kind of think things are changing a little bit looking at Jen Cohen and looking at Lincoln Riley, so. I mean, bad things can change, I think, but he seems really upset and burned by past actions, and I get it. It was really ugly being a USC fan for a long time, but I don't know if all the anger right now 
makes a lot of sense. The the gear was bad, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, let's let him try to get out of this hole. Yeah, let him try, you know dig out of this one. But you're, I mean, there's really been horrible leadership, and I've talked about that for years. I've talked about how bad the leadership was, but it looks like it's getting better. Um, I think they've hired better people to do the jobs. You've had, you know, the the kind of hires like to get Pat Hayden and Lynn Swan as your athletic directors back to back, like zero experience, one failed. Let's do it again with someone that has even, you know, less of a, a resume to be the, like Pat Hayden. You could say some things like, well, here's why it might work. Like Lynn Swan, the only thing was he was a football player at USC. Like that's literally the only thing he brought to the table. I think they thought that he could get the old donors that like nostalgic donors that love the, you know, heyday of USC to give money. He wouldn't give those people the time of day. He was terrible at all that stuff. So, you know, that that was probably the worst hire ever. There's just so many bad hires and you've had scandals with, you know, Max Nikias, the president and all this. I mean, there's so many scandals that were just money based, like, you know, money motivated. So you're right, but I feel like you're getting better at that stuff. You're trying to hire better people, um, and I guess that's all you can do. All right. Uh, we had a text message from uh, Marcel in the IE. He says, I remember Reggie Bush saying the practices under Pete Carroll were harder than games. Is that a thing of the past? <laughs> Keon Bars this year said the practices were harder than games before USC ran into some trouble with losing games. So I kind of think that's just something that people say. That's and maybe, maybe under Pete, or Pete Riley, Lincoln Riley, it was – or Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll, it was true. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't put too much stock into that because people are saying that now, and I don't think the practices are nearly as hard as they were under Pete Carroll. That's a buzz. Like like you yeah. say, iron sharpens iron. You know, like, okay, we're practicing hard, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's a real – there was a real aspect to that for Pete Carroll because you would talk to, like, Sean Cody or some of the guys that would go in that and it was almost like a relief when you got to the games because it was just they worked super hard. Part of the, a lot of the rules have changed too, so you can't do that as much. So I don't think I don't know if anyone's practices are harder than the games, um, but I think USC's practices could be harder than what they have been. Uh, we got oh, let's do a few um, YouTube chats. Matthew, um, why would we go to the transfer portal for another quarterback? Malachi was a five-star, number one recruit in the nation. Is he not developing as expected? Haven't had a chance to talk to him in a long time. Riley, of course, won't say anything about that. But you're a reporter. you got to do a better job. Well, it'll all work itself out. If a transfer comes in, a highly touted guy who's obviously going to start, then clearly Malachi Nelson hasn't developed as planned. And if USC stands pat and it's a Moss-Nelson battle, Riley clearly feels good about one of those guys. Maybe he brings in like a Jake Jensen transfer type, a guy who won't play but will just fill some depth for you. Then he has developed as well as people thought. Time will tell on that. Nothing we can really say right now. Yeah. Uh, Blackie Chan says, what do you think about UCLA keeping Chip Kelly? And did you see the banner flown over Los Angeles about Chip? I did not see the banner. I mean, I saw that it happened, but I didn't personally see it. Um, it's interesting, uh, that they kept chip. I think it's pretty risky. Uh, David Woods, my partner on the podcast of champions was tweeting a whole lot of data about why a 500 head coach at UCLA after six years or whatever it's been, uh, is as bad as you've seen. Um, this was a bad year. 
like I mentioned, they had scored 31 total points in four games and then got up for the USC game. You give them credit that they got up to play USC. USC didn't get up to play for that game, but they weren't able to get up and play some of these other games. They let Arizona State, that was really bad, sort of swing and get them to death. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's probably a mistake uh, to cheap to to keep Chip Kelly. But you know, I guess we'll we'll see. But there's, I think there's risks for doing, you know, for getting rid of them too. But I feel like you kind of needed something fresh to go into the Big Ten, and now it might be a little behind. I think joining the Big Ten if you have to make a change a year from now. I agree. I think he doesn't like to recruit, and that's a killer. They haven't had a top thirty class, I don't think, in his tenure. Getting Dante Moore was huge, but Dante Moore looks ruined right now. He threw some awful interceptions in that game, and. Yeah. I don't think he's going to stick around at UCLA. Maybe he does. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be wrong on that. But you know what I mean? Just based on how it's gone this year, your star studded, saved the program recruit kind of fell in his face a little bit. And Chip Kelly's the offensive guy. So their defense was what won him a lot of these games. And he's the offensive guy. I, I would have moved on from him, but I don't know about the financial situation or I don't know about the stuff behind the scenes, but just on face value were the results good enough this year and could UCLA do better? I, I think they could. People might feel differently, but you know what I mean? I think they could have done a better job. Yeah, Dante Moore, like, I feel like maybe you shouldn't have started him, like let him play the second half of the season. You know, they start him and then Garbers comes in and they're like, wow, you're way better. Well, you don't turn the ball over. He was just, He's just been a turnover machine. And then when he gets benched, he comes back and he's still a turnover machine. You thought like, okay, maybe he was, you know, freshman, your know, first few games. Man, he's just he puts the ball in peril a lot. So uh, they got to do something with that. But I mean, who knows? He could be someone that enters the freaking portal and uh, ends up like Oregon or something. I don't know. Tamale Tom had a couple questions. His first one: uh, What value did Cliff Kingsbury bring to USC, and how can we measure his contributions? Another great question. He worked a lot with the quarterbacks, so I can tell you that. But beyond that, Marshawn Lloyd mentioned once how. He had a bad first half, and Cliff Kingsbury talked to him, and he boosted him up. We're just not around enough, and people don't talk enough about Cliff Kingsbury. I don't really know how you can measure his impact because Caleb Williams is so good. If Cliff Kingsbury wasn't here, would he have had as good of a season? I still think so based off of what he did last year. That's a really tough question that I think – and I don't want to be the guy who piles on Lincoln Riley. Oh, he didn't do enough for the media this year, but – that's just something we aren't able to answer because we can't watch practice. Can't talk to Kingsbury because he's not an official assistant. He's not at the media day. So he, I don't really know what the heck he did. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, but I mean, he's an analyst. So I think it's, you know, what are you going to talk about? Like what everyone on the staff, like uh, what did, you know, what did Lincoln Riley's secretary bring to the table? Like, you know, he's a big name because he was a former NFL head coach. But he didn't have a prominent role on this team. He was there to be an analyst, like really just to kind of help out behind the scenes and and help out the quarterbacks. And um, USC lost a couple of guys, like a grad assistant that, that was helping with Caleb Williams, two of the guys that were working with Caleb Williams last year. So you bring in someone, you know, you want analysts like Cliff Kingsbury. You know, uh, Jim Leonard was an analyst for Illinois this year, and he didn't even go to games. You know, he wasn't even on the road for games. So, well, he's like, he's this great defensive coordinator, but you brought him in as an analyst role. So your, your, his role was small, but it's sort of like you keep around the game. He can kind of help out little things behind the scenes. I don't think you, 
you didn't bring in Cliff Kingsbury to fix the off, like change. Well, you didn't fix anything on the offense, but change the offense. He's there as an analyst, you know, and um, he keeps working and he doesn't get paid much money. So he's still getting a bunch of money from the Cardinals. And, you know, you use that, like we saw Steve Sarkeesian do that. And I think Lick, and uh, Lane Kiffin also with Alabama and they kind of get there. It's a way to sort of resurrect your career. It's a, it's like a year off, but you're not really taking a year off, you know? So Cliff Kingsbury wasn't like working super hard. He was an analyst for USC football, like working with the Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. So I don't know why people get kind of obsessed with that, but it's just like, he's an offensive analyst. Like he's not like a, you know, He's not your offensive coordinator or anything. I think he's just a sounding board. Hey, what do you think of this play? Yeah. I like this. Why don't you try doing that? That's that's how I'd describe him. I don't think he had any like great coaching relationships with any of these guys. I think he was there for the games, there for the practices, helped out. But like you said, Ryan, I don't think he had this major, major role. Yeah. It's just a big name. So yeah. people expect. But his role was not big. Uh, his second question was, what the heck happened to Anthony Lucas? Did his off-field issues follow him to L.A.? No, Sean Nua just said Solomon Bird made it so hard for them to take him off the field. So Anthony Lucas, for whatever reason, lost his competition to Solomon Bird. And now that Solomon Bird's gone, I expect Anthony Lucas to come in and play a little bit more. Yeah. Jeff says he's still getting, so he's talking about Cliff Kingsbury, still getting $7 million a year from Arizona, which is pretty good. Joe is like, fire Cliff. There's a lot of people that want Cliff Kingsbury fired. Like, he, he's like, he's a bit player, you know? Like, it, like you go in, you want a food analogy? Like, you go into your favorite restaurant and it's not, the food isn't quite as good. And you're like, hey, we need to fire the dishwasher. You know, I want you to fire the dishwasher. Like, so? Like, what? Okay, you get a better dishwasher. Do you think the food's going to get better? Like, he's got a minor role. Like, I don't know, firing him. Like, I, he's going to move on somewhere else and get a, you know, he's up for, I think, the Houston job. That at least someone reported that. I tweeted that he's the favorite from Bet Online AG. Maybe you saw that. He, he's the oh yeah the the betting odds favorite to be the next right. Houston coach. But he's he's just an analyst. Like I, I you know you fire him. Like who cares? Like you, you're paying him like nothing. He's getting paid by the Cardinals. I, I don't get why people get obsessed with that. We got one last one in the chat. Um, this one, Blackie Chan. Uh, if uh, T Mac Tesseroa McMillan rumors are true that he's going to transfer, do you think USC makes a run at him? Him and Noah Fafita are like brothers. The yeah. only way I think they're gone is if they're a package deal. And I just think even if they were considering leaving, Arizona, it's been so good at Arizona this year. I don't know about Fafita's NFL future, but if you're T-Mac, you're going to be a first-round pick most likely. Why wouldn't you want to play one more year of college with your best friend and your family? I don't really see them leaving. I don't think that makes a ton of sense. And Sigger came over and didn't do anything. So like, you know, it's sort of like if Lincoln, Riley, it was Arizona Cardinals going to hire Lincoln Riley. Like he's got Cliff Kingsbury there to be like, don't go, you know? And I feel like Singer would probably be like, Hey, don't go. It didn't work out for me. So I don't, that seems like a weird. Yeah. I, I don't see that happening. It's interesting too. Fafita was not that highly touted five-star guy. So it's not like if he enters the portal after Say he didn't play at all. He enters the portal. No one wants him. Jed Fish made him into who oh, he yeah. is. He built him up. And this was a guy who had a lot of talent. He was a fantastic high school guy, uh, high school player. But you know what I mean? Like, he's not just going to hop into the portal. He, he I, I think J he owes Jed Fish. Jed Fish kind of owes him. I, I think there's a good relationship there. It, it doesn't make a lot of leave. sense. To yeah. Me. 
One last question. Uh, the DC will be hired, but what about a special teams coach slash coordinator? That aspect was abysmal and Lincoln needs to address it uh, or it will be the Achilles heel. I don't think that's happening. It's just we get this question every week. Riley doesn't believe in it. It's a fundamental thing with him. Not happening. Yeah, I don't think it's going to, but I feel like you could change the structure a little bit where if you, you know, maybe one of the defensive coaches that comes in on the defensive side when you get a new defensive coordinator has a lot of special teams um, experience and you're like, okay, you're going to be the de facto special teams coordinator. Like you're the head of it. And then, you know, instead of having uh, like a grad assistant or an analyst running it, you have an actual full-time assistant that's his other, the other part of his job is he's also the acting special teams coordinator. Maybe something like that. We'll see. They're, they're, he didn't make any changes last year. There are definitely changes this year, obviously. Um, but is that going to be one of them? I don't know. But his philosophy, like um, Connor said, is not to like, well, instead of bringing in the outside linebackers coach, we're going to bring in a special teams coordinator. Don't expect that but maybe some structural changes of how this is run internally. That's a good point. I wonder who, if they take half their job, like Zach Hansen, tight ends and special teams, yeah. would Riley do something like that just to make it a figurehead? I kind of feel like he's gotten so much criticism for special teams. Why would he say, hey, someone on the staff, just go be the, the head, so then I don't have to get all this criticism. It'll go to you. You know what I mean? I feel like he's setting up someone for to fail there. Yeah, because you can't talk to anybody that runs special teams. So it's yeah. like, uh, and you know, but he still gets a little defensive about it. Like he was asked about special teams being bad. I think at the UCLA press conference, and he said they had like the number one punt return or something like that. And it's like they might have at one point, but there's no way they do now. They they've been there. Bill Connolly. Do you know what it is now? Like where their special teams was ranked at the end of the season? I'd uh, have to look, but they were last for a while, right? They were they were one thirty three out of one thirty three or something. So like that, it was bad. Uh, overall, special teams was bad. So I think the fans see it. Um, we'll see if he makes some kind of change, but don't expect here's you're you're hiring this outside special teams coordinator to come in and take one of your full time assistant spots. Don't think that's happening. Most likely not happening, but maybe a little structure change. And one of the guys that came in used to be a special teams coordinator. He'll be running it and also coaching outside linebackers or whatever it is. Um, all right. Well, good stuff. It's good to get back uh, in here in the studio and uh, chat about some USC football with you, Connor. Always fun. Appreciate it, Ryan. Hopefully next week we'll have more to talk about. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And thanks for everyone that tuned in. Uh, we had a whole bunch of people uh, live. So thank you for that. If you're live on YouTube, we did get the triple digit likes. We got to hundred likes in there. So thank you. Uh, for that, we didn't get any super chats this week. People just kind of throw those in sometimes, but darn, uh, we don't need those. Yeah, but that's save your money for the holidays and all that. So thank you uh, so much. I want to thank Trader Joe's again. Uh, many years of uh, sponsorship with the Peristyle Podcast. They've been a great, great partner. We appreciate them very, very much. And I appreciate uh, Connor and my entire staff and all of you out there listening or watching. We thank you so much for being part of our show. Uh, the biggest USC podcast out there. Um, we've been doing it the longest since 2008. We've been started this stuff. So it's been a while. Connor, you haven't been here from the beginning, right? Not, to, <laughs> not since 2008. That's correct. Okay. From the earlier this year though. <laughs> yeah, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, we get some new people. We got some people that have been around for a long time like me, uh, but we do appreciate uh, being part of it and uh, helping the show grow and, and all of that. And we have a lot of fun kind of bringing uh, all the USC news to you guys. So for Connor Morissette, uh, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you 
next time. Trader Joe's in Southern California. We go way back. Kind of like USC football. In, in, in the beginning, it was so bad that uh, Dave Hetzel and I took turns dressed in a gorilla suit, flagging people in. That's from episode one of Inside Trader Joe's. We hope you'll check it out. Or some of our other podcast episodes about the past, present, and future of Trader Joe's. And all those cool products. Inside Trader Joe's is available wherever you listen to podcasts. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 